the Jericho Network on Westwood One. Welcome to One on One with Michelle Fawn. On this episode, I shine a spotlight on some up-and-coming bands. First up, from the band Gemini Syndrome, it is Aaron Nordstrom talking about their new album, Memento Mori. And on the second side, we have Mickey V from the band Chains Over Razor talking about their new album, Crown the Villain, and working with one of the Apice or Apice brothers. Before checking out the two interviews, please check me out on Twitter at Mitch Lafon, M-I-T-C-H-L-A-F-O-N, one-on-one, Mitch Lafon on Facebook, and paypal.me forward slash Mitch Lafon if you care to support the podcast. And without further ado, here is the one, the only, Aaron Nordstrom of Gemini Syndrome. We are speaking with Aaron Nordstrom of the band Gemini Syndrome. The new album is Memento Mori, produced by Kane uh, Cherko, and of course the father uh, Kevin helped out. Um, talk to me a little bit about the uh, the new album because it's it's sort of the second part in a trilogy, correct? Yeah. So yeah, we have a kind of a three record idea um, going over the, the the cycle of basically the universe: of birth, existence, and death, or transformation, if you will. So this being the second installment, you know, Lux was kind of the our first record, our first, you know, musical offering, and kind of focused on, uh, like, my younger years, kind of coming of age, getting comfortable in your skin, figuring out who you are, blah, blah, blah. And then this is a little more focused, much more focused, I should say, on uh, kind of the middle experience, like, after you become, you know, closer to the person that you think you are or want to be, the experiences that come with that, and, for me, part of that was realizing my own mortality right. and realizing that this isn't a forever thing and trying to come to terms with that and then using that as a, I guess, a motivator to not take anything for granted. Where, where does the realization for of the mortality come in for you? Is it just because we all die at some point or was there some kind of event in your life where somebody had some kind of illness or you have some kind of illness? Like, wh- where did that need to express that come from? Um, I mean, I, I started dealing with death pretty early. Like, my dad died when I was 15, and I've lost a lot of friends along the way. And it was never really, like, you know, an illness for me. It was always sudden death. And then, uh, you know, as I got older, I'm like, I thought I was invincible as a kid, you know? Well, we all, we all I, did, didn't we? <laughs> right, right, right. And, you know, I also, I struggled with depression when I was young, and I struggled with suicide and that kind of stuff and it was you know as a kid as I wanted to die as I got older and I noticed that you know how enriched my life had become because of these people that then they weren't there anymore you know and realizing that someday that'll be too you know yeah, and I did find myself thinking in the hospital a couple of years ago and, and uh, it was just it was a very uh, for the lack of a better word it was a very sobering experience when you get that close to realizing that, like, I could have died, it gives you a certain appreciation for the fact that you're still here. Maybe, I should say, appreciation for the fact that I'm still here. Yeah, and to utilize all my time as much as I can, because you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and, and I can certainly sympathize with that. I, I had two heart surgeries, the last one in March of 2015, and they said, you're not coming out of this. There's like a 10% chance. And, uh, man, it refocuses you real freaking really quick. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. 
<laughs> you know, um, listen, I, I talking about depression wasn't part of, of, of what I had prepared, but, but sort of how do you see yourself on the other side? I mean, we all, we, we sort of all know how we get depressed, you know, stuff goes bad in our life and, but how did you pull yourself out of it? And, and are you at the point now where you, you've walked away from it or are you still sort of walking on eggshells where, eh, I gotta be careful. Um, it's like splitting the difference, you know, I'm not completely, you know, I think that's part of life in general. Maybe it's just my experience. I don't, I think everybody kind of deals with that. And if anybody's figured it out and they're, you know, totally free of everything and they have that kind of Buddha enlightenment, then God bless for it. Right. For me, it's, just, you know, it comes in day in and day out. Some days are harder than others. Some days are easier than others. And, uh, you know, from, from being in a band, touring with, like, a whole group of people and seeing all those different personalities every day, and, you know, I'm married, I see my wife, and, you know, just watching that closely, watching different people and how they struggle with whatever their battle is, you know what I mean? Right. I, 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 don't think, I don't think it's just a be-all, end-all, one way or the other. I think it has to be kind of a balance. Right. No, I agree. Now, so so let's let's get back to Memento Mori for a second and the band. Uh, you know, starting off a new band is exceptionally difficult, and then going into this trilogy, um, is it is it a high gamble to to sort of have a trilogy straight off and not be sort of like fifteen years into the career? Um, I don't I don't think so. Okay. You know, conceptually, it was just it's kind of developed organically anyway it was kind of like as we wrote Lux and we started kind of planning you know what was going to happen in the future it just seemed organic and then that was that was what we were going to write about anyway gotcha you know what I'm saying so it was like well let's let's fine tune it and actually make that a plan and I mean I don't know why why not try it I agree now you changed a couple of band members along the way. Has that shifted the focus at all, or has it re-energized the focus? Absolutely re-energized. It. Okay. And, and you know, so, like you, you said, coming, you know, starting up a new band, it, it's hard work, and we built this from the ground up doing grassroots for the first couple of years, and really slugging it out on our own and whatnot. And, uh, you know, life happens, and people make choices or get forced to make choices that take them in different paths, you know. Yeah. And uh, as far as as far as where you know the vision for what we were doing, as far as that's concerned, none of that got affected. I, I think you know when Daniel and Charles came into this, they were fully aware of where we were going with it, and were totally on board. Uh, you know, and as far as the writing process, you know, when we before we got the two new guys, it was just AP Brian and myself writing the threat. and so the core of it, you know, the three of us were already you know that was already part of the plan. So bringing in Daniel and Charles, it's just like new fuel to the fire and new creative ideas as far as you know, as far as guitar playing. You know what I mean? Like we were already kind of there, and they jumped on board and gave more seats. So it kind of worked out, I think, for the best overall. Now, uh, another question with the the new members is: you just mentioned that the writing team was sort of the three core guys. Is that how you see the band uh, moving forward as the three core guys, or do you really want to make it the five and let's let's keep going like with Daniel and Charles as the guys down the road? That's absolutely the plan. Okay, you know, and we're we're already considering that it is a concept like three alpha cycles. 
you know, even though this record's not out, we're already coming up with ideas for what direction we'll take the third one. You know what I mean? We're already planning ahead as much as we can. And Dan and Chuck, man, they're, they're great players. They're great dudes. They're in this, like, fully with us. You know, they're already acclimated themselves as, as family. So I don't look at them as hired guns by any. The, the other thing I want to touch on also is the anonymous video. You made it a 360 video, which is real trippy to watch, on, on at least on my iPhone it was trippy to watch. Uh, yeah. Talk to me about using the technology and and giving the fans a different experience. Um, okay, so the, the idea was between uh, Brian Cox, the director, and ourselves. Brian brought it up. We thought that was a really cool idea. There's been some bands that have done it. It is newer technology, so it's you know it's kind of cutting edge, I guess. It seemed like something exciting to do. It also kind of lends itself that there's so much going on inside of that video. You almost have to watch it five or six times if you want to really catch what's going on. If you understand how the technology is really working, like if you just kind of watch one part of it, you're missing all this other stuff that's happening behind you. And uh, it, I mean, it was an interesting process in the sense that. You know, the director is in every shot. He's hiding it behind one of the masks because the camera rig gets set up at the center of the room and all the action is happening, you know, in every direction around. So there was no way for him to be in the shot directed, you know, and be hidden without actually, like, participating in something. So that was an interesting experience. And then there's other shots, too, where, like, they would put me in a room by myself with the camera and have me do a few passes through and just kind of, like, almost self-direct, I guess. And that was weird, too, because you're used to having guidance and having something kind of behind the camera, like saying, okay, do this now, do this now, and this happens right now, and there was none of that in the 360 so much, you know what I mean? Then the choreograph scenes, kind of the kung fu fighting during the, the breakdown where the drums are happening. You know, all of that had to be simultaneously going off and going off perfect, or as close to perfect as possible, you know? Yeah, it, so it was... It was a whole new, the whole new ball game, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun to watch too. Now, the uh, the tour dates I have in front of me run out in the uh, middle of August. What's happening in the fall for the band? Uh, we are out on this tour till September 9th. Okay. Uh, we'll be announcing the rest of those dates soon. And, and uh, then what happens after September 9th? We have a couple weeks off, and then we go to Houston Open Air Festival on I think the twenty fourth of September. And then we are locking in details for a couple of tours that will take us pretty much up till the holidays. I can't say what they are yet because they're not 100% confirmed, but uh, I'll leave it to uh, it's going to be really exciting for us. And it's about 99% there. It's just not public yet. What do you think is the one thing that is most important for a younger band or, or a newer band to get noticed and get a career out of it? Is it working the, the social medias? Is it just making great albums? I mean, wh- sort of what's the magic wand to make sure that Gemini Sistra- Syndrome is here 20 years down the road? Well, I'll tell you this for sure. There is no magic wand. There's no magic formula. It is social media for sure. It is writing good music for sure. Absolutely. If you don't have good music, it's not going to happen. Right. Um, and then it comes down to hustle. Like, you have to you have to work. You know, the days of, like, signing a record deal and, you know, becoming a millionaire overnight and then suddenly having, you know, I never have to move my own gear, blah, blah, blah. 
Like, those days are long gone. Like, ancient history gone. Unless you're doing, like, unless you're a pop act and you're getting played on, you know, the pop radio and stuff like that. But for a band, for a rock band or a metal band, you got to work. And, you know, every, every show you play, every person you deal with, every venue, you know, just treat people with respect, you know, because word travels fast. And if you come in with, like, diva attitudes, it gets back to everybody else, you know. And that, and that ties in to, I guess, my last point, is connect with your fans. Even when it is as little as a band might be, when you're starting out, you're going to get those, let's say, two or five fans or whatever that just love your band. Keep relationships with them, build yep. friendships, Absolutely. because those are going to be those are going to be your soldiers that go out and spread the word for you when you can't. You know, I mean, at this point, like I said earlier, we did this really grassroots in the beginning, and uh, you know, we made friends. We were like traveling in a van, and people would let us stay at their house or whatever. Now, you know, six and a half, set, almost seven years later, we go back through all those same cities, and those people are now very close to us. And we keep in touch when we're not in the area. And the family has grown, and those people, like, being genuine with people and, and just building that kind of community and family bond, I mean, that's, that's what this band is entirely built on, is, is relationships with people, yeah. like quality relationships. So I think, you know, I think that work, yeah, treat people well, and hopefully be good at your craft. Yeah, that's that, that. You know, hard work is is understated sometimes in in the music business. But you gotta bust your chops. And uh, Brett All Michaels of Brett Michaels of Poison once told me, uh, "I don't care if there's four people in the audience. I'm always playing to a sold out Madison Square Garden." And uh, yep. th- that's 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 the way you gotta do it. You just you can't Five. just say, "Oh, well, there's only four people tonight. I'll do a half ass set." No, you. you you got to bust your chops every night. Yep. I'll tell you this. In the beginning of this, we played in Lincoln, Nebraska, like years ago. And there was a, a friend of ours to the left of Lincoln and a friend to the right. And they both let us stay at their houses while we were traveling through. Yep. Those were the two people in the audience. We did full production. We put on a full show. And... You know, it, it does like that quote from Brett's great. You know what I mean? And mine's kind of like five fifty, five hundred, five thousand. I don't care. It's all the same. Yep. I yep. just saw I just saw some fans last night that had come out to the show in Pennsylvania a couple of years ago. It's one of the nastiest blizzards they had seen in like ten years or something. And we were late to the show. We were driving down the turnpike. Like every fifteen seconds, there was a car, you know, off the side of the road. It was nasty. And these people who came to the show ended up getting snowed in. And there was only maybe 10 of them, you know, because the weather was just so nasty. They'd all have to go book hotels at the place across the street because nobody could drive out of town. And we showed up and we're kind of debating, well, do we just do an acoustic set and, and, and make it easy on ourselves? And just, you know what? No, that's, that's phoning it in. That's not what this is about. We ended up pulling everything in in the snow. And we were joking yesterday with that guy. It was like, once the show was done, we did, you know, played our, played our asses off. And as soon as the show was over, like the 10 people scream, you have all this loud music for like an hour. And then it's kind of like silence. And I, I remember Brian being behind the drum set. He doesn't have a microphone. He's like, well, that was, that was. And, and everybody kind of laughed. 
it, it left a, a long-term memory for all those people. And for us, too. Those are the kind of shows that you get, you know, you hang out afterwards and you talk to those kind of people. They become friends. And then yeah. you see them a couple of years down the road. You know? Yeah, and they're always rooting for you. They never forget. Aaron, absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Cheers. You, you too. And there you have it, folks, my interview with Aaron Nordstrom of the band Gemini Syndrome. The new album is Memento Mori. Now let's head over to Chains Over Razors and Mikey V. The new album is Crown the Villain, and it features a local Quebec talent in the band. Always got to love to support the local guys, but um, here we go. Here is the one, the only, Mikey V of Chains Over Razors. We are speaking with uh, Mikey Vapor V of the band Chains Over Razors. The new album is Crown the Villain. Good day, sir. Good day. It's 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 an exciting release. You've also been working with Carmine Apice from or a piece um, legendary drummer who produced it. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how that came about. When we originally were going into the idea of recording an album, we really didn't have any songs written or recorded, maybe a couple ideas on a demo form. And uh, we reached out to our agent, explained to him we wanted a producer, and he brought up the idea of Carmine a piece to produce it. And uh, he reached out on our behalf, and uh, Carmine was interested. We weren't really sure yet if it was confirmed or not. Um, so our singer uh, gets a call from Carmine and asked him to meet up with him in New York. And they sat down for quite a few hours and just talking back and forth of what we were envisioning that we wanted to go with our next record. Um, this, this is a new version of a, a band that we were all previously in. And, you know, things change, members drop in and out. We felt like we wanted to go just our idea of a new direction of we want something that moves, that's melodic, and just tears your head off. <laughs> and that was the only thing that we all had in mind. So Carmine heard some of these ideas and was like, I'm interested. Let's do this. And... um so that blew our minds. We didn't even think a legend like that was even going to be interested in working with us. And we ended up then uh, driving out to New York and we were in studio, New Jersey, and we began uh, writing and recording of the record and just went with whatever happened, happened and being spontaneous and creative. So, I mean, it was just an absolute, uh, just amazing, just, to even be in the same room with this guy who's who's played with so many legendary artists and to have him just push us beyond our comfort zone and keep our minds open to where what we were doing and reassure us that hey we're not nuts this is on point keep going with it so that that's like the longer story short of it um, weeks they go by though before we even confirms, and then he eventually called me and was like, "Dude, I'm in. Let's let's make a record together." And I was I was just floored. <laughs> so yeah. that that's the 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 long story short of it. Yeah, that, that that's great. Now, now you know he's played with countless 
you know, classic musicians and all that. What do you learn from him? What does he bring to the studio and say, hey, guys, this is how you go from being an amateur band to a pro band. This is how you raise your game. A lot of it was the being spontaneous in what we were writing and going for the moment and always just kind of having, um, you know, the recording always going, whether you were recording or not, you never know what was going to come out and be captured. And, uh, also with arrangements that, you know, he, he was always like, well, did you do that already? Yeah. Well, don't do it next time. So you're like, oh, okay. So you're constantly reinventing yourself as you were going. And uh, just knowing that, you know, he played with Jeff Beck and all these great players, we would, you know, our nerves were kind of up, you know, we, you know, my bandmates and I would always say, all right, don't suck today. You know, you got this rock legend over here, but uh, really he, he was the creative freedom, I think, is something and that we really learned and with writing songs um when you go in with an idea that i want it like this you you kind of end up limiting yourself because you're trying to just focus to find that one thing and with him he was just like just do whatever you feel just let it happen and uh that was a new experience for all of us uh recording with carmine yeah, that, that's great. Now, for 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 fans that are hearing this for the first time and are not familiar with Chains Over Razors, what kind of music can they expect? And sort of, this is geared towards the fan of sort of which bands? Where where do you sort of see yourself in the whole um, music genre? We're, we're definitely in the heavy rock metal genre. Um, we try not to really pigeon ourselves on you know certain bands because i mean we've had so many influences throughout the years whether it was classics or even modern day bands today and uh you know as soon as you start saying okay well like this band or that band people automatically vision okay you must sound like that and just with carmine producing us and us just being really open we didn't want to be like, okay, we want to sound like that or that, you know, we just wanted to be our own selves. And, you know, occasionally I'll joke around and just tell people, Oh, smooth jazz, you know, but you know, the, the, but that's the, you know, the, the funny side of it, you know, to not pigeonhole us to, okay, well, if you said Alice in Chains, which I love that band, people automatically think, okay, well, they must sound like Alice in Chains. When, uh, as you listen throughout a record, you start hearing a very diverse, you know, there's even songs that even give off the idea of the uh, police feel to it. So you're not just going to get, you know, straight up metal all the time. You know, we, we kind of try to incorporate a little bit of everything. So we try to generalize what, what we are to keep people's minds open of what kind of band we are. And, um, You've you've got two members in Chicago, one in Montreal. Talk to me a little yeah. bit about the difficulty. And Montreal is where I'm from, by the way. Um, talk talk to me about the difficulties of of getting to band rehearsal and and getting the group together to to play. Or 
is it in this sort of day and age of internet and stuff, it doesn't really matter? You know, it, it really doesn't matter. I mean, because of this digital age, communication is so fast and easy today. Um, I mean, if you have ideas, songs, you can email it back and forth. So that, that makes the process a lot easier. And, you know, I, Canada's not a far drive or a far flight. And since we've been playing together for so long, we already instinctively know who we are in in the group. So when any sort of writing does happen, you kind of almost already know what that person might feel out where they would be at that arrangement. And being that, you know, he is from Canada and flying on in, you know, generally my brother and I are usually prepared while rehearsed with the songs. He comes on in, we rehearse with him, and then we hit the road. So we've never really felt any hiccup on that at all. And usually anything which shows is planned ahead of time, so we also plan accordingly and just have it rain so it's always a smooth transition for us so we haven't really felt that you know imaginary border as i call it yeah it, it is imaginary at least to, to us yeah um you, you've done shows with metal allegiance you've got some more shows coming up in terms of um uh, headline shows what are your plans for the rest of the year well, we are our first headlining show is going to be in New York at Blackthorn 51, and then the following day we're sharing the stage again, support uh, direct support to Metal Allegiance, and then the following day we're also playing with Carmine and Vinny uh, in Syracuse, the drum battles, right? New York. Yeah. So uh, those are our first set that we are doing and then in the very near future in the fall we are planning on doing some heavy heavy extensive touring um and continuing that throughout the rest of next year as you prepare for so, the the follow-up album right yeah you know in in between as we're touring we're we're going back and writing and gathering ideas together um not fully forming it yet as we do want to keep our mind learning what we learned from carmine um, try to keep it open so that when you do go back to it, you know, you could listen to what you've done and then just open it up from there instead of saying like, okay, well, this song is done. You know, it's really easy to get numb to what you've written from hearing it many times. So this time around, we're trying to keep that spontaneous again happening and just getting the idea, move on later on, let's go back. You know, and I would love to have Carmine produce it again. Um, maybe you have to get Vinny for the. Maybe you need to get Vinny for the second one or or the next one. <laughs> well, those two will have to battle it out. <laughs> yeah, there you go, uh, Mikey. Yeah, a, a great pleasure. The new album is called Crown the Villain, and of course, the band is Chain Chains Over Razors. Uh, great pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, hope to see you on the road soon. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. And there you have it, folks, my interview with Mikey V of the band Chains Over Razors. The new album is Crown the Villain. And before that, we had Aaron Nordstrom of Gemini Syndrome. Their album is Memento Mori. Certainly hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. We will see you soon with another episode and some other great, great music. 
And with that, please check me out on Twitter at Mitch Lafon, Facebook, one-on-one, Mitch Lafon, and paypal.me forward slash Mitch Lafon if you care to support the podcast. That is all. Goodbye. Thank you. Auf Wiedersehen. Au revoir. Arigato. I think that's how it goes, right? Oh, no, wait. It's bye for now. Oh, my.